I do love to worship the Lord. I love when He shows up. Oh, well, are you enjoying the interesting times we're living in? It's no. <laughs> it, uh, it keeps you on the edge of your seat, and what we're going to have to be abiding by, and who's got the rules and changing the rules. I thank you. <laughs> Multiply it, Lord. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I I was going over some of the. Uh, my COVID moments that we had at, at the beginning, you know, we, uh, the, this COVID time started in March and, and, and for a while I was bringing updates. Yeah, just the world as we see it right now. And, and I was going over some of those things and, and um, some of the people I'd been talking to and what we saw happening uh, in the coming months, and, and um, uh, at that time, um, some of the world looked at some of the things that we were saying as conspiracy theories, but they lose the, the, uh, the descriptor theory as soon as they come true. <laughs> uh, so the, th the things that we were, we were saying would probably be happening are really happening now. They're not conspiracy theories anymore. They're conspiracy facts. <laughs> and we're moving into more and more of them all the time. In April, uh, we said, um, watch what's happening because they're, they're not predicting that the second wave is coming. They're promising us that the second wave is coming because they knew it. They know nothing about the virus. They're discovering new things every day. But yet they're saying, it's going to be back in the fall and it's going to be worse. <laughs> How do they know that? <laughs> anyway, there's, I can rant for a long time on that stuff. But what they're doing still defies logic. And, and we want to abide by the laws of the land if we can, as long as they don't encroach upon the laws of God. Now we, we continue to meet here and we're allowed to. There was new edicts yesterday that said, you know, no, no social meetings of any kind. When I first saw that, I thought we wouldn't, we, we were being um, legislated out. But later on, Dr. Bonnie Henry said, uh, religious organizations are still allowed to meet as long as they meet um, the other requirements, you know, under 50 people in attendance and uh, all of the other protocols that they have in place, you know, uh, social distancing and putting the juice on your hands and all that stuff. Um, and so I was grateful for that, that we get to meet here. But, and we have people at home that uh, haven't had a chance to come out. But They, they haven't taken schools away, and, and um, uh, they've taken away uh, funerals and marriages, but you can meet in schools all, all you want. Pardon me? 
and, and Costco, save on. Yeah. And, yeah, and, 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 and they didn't close restaurants this time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the chef of the house is saying, praise God, they didn't close restaurants. But it, it just, like, I, I don't know who's making the rules and, and what their criteria are, but we, we'll honor that. We'll, we want to honor them. But, but let me tell you that if they come to a time when they say, churches cannot meet, um, I'm not closing the doors. Because uh, I, I see... Yeah. I see God's imperative as forsake not the assembly. So I'll become a doorman in the house of God and I'll greet anybody that wants to come in. We'll have some kind of a meeting. I don't know what it'll be as long as as long as we can. They um I, I was reading online about you know what the the deals are for breaking quarantine and and um, um, their isolation protocols, and and um, it's up to three hundred thousand dollars and six months in jail. Like they, that's serious stuff. Yeah. So I d- I don't know what they're getting ready for, but <laughs> they're getting ready for something. And um, I was I was asking God, what about? What about this election? You know, Canadians probably pay more attention to the American election than they do to the Canadian election. You know, um, and and uh, so lots of people I know are really interested in what's happening down there, and it is interesting. Um, this is a year where where the word unprecedented may be the world's word of the year, as everything seems to be unprecedented. But what is actually happening down there is not unprecedented. When um, George W. Bush, the son, you know, the, not, the, not the dad, but the son was elected, uh, they actually, the, the press, the media, declared Al Gore was the president-elect. And then they had the recount, you'll remember, a week or 10 days later in Florida, and they found that George W. Bush won by six votes. <laughs> and so he became the president. <laughs> so this stuff has happened before, and, and uh, as, as I prayed, as I looked to God, he said to me, I think, I, I'm not finished with this election yet. Now, he didn't tell me, put your money on Trump or anything like that. <laughs> but he's just not finished with it yet. Now, they've declared, the press, the, the media has declared that, that uh, Mr. Biden is the president-elect, and God bless him. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the way it is. And we have, to, we have to wait and see what God is doing yet. He, uh, he's up to something wonderful because he's wonderful all the time. And so we, we, we'll see. We'll see how this turns out. Just, 
you, you wonder, you know. <laughs> it has me wondering anyway. I, I, I really, I can get uh, overwhelmed with that stuff, and, I, and it wants to take up all of my time. I have to discipline myself to stay away from it, because it's like a soap opera. <laughs> Donna? Well, the, yeah, what, what Dr. Bonnie Henry said was um, they don't want people visiting homes for the next two weeks. Now, that, that, the idea of that is, as I understand it, is that the, the, the numbers are spiking higher than they ever have before. We did 547 new cases yesterday. Um, and so... You're not, you're, you're not to visit with anybody that is not in your household. They don't actually live with you. And so that, that's, that's what her new rule is for two weeks. And they'll adjust it after two weeks. They may extend that or they may remove that. But the people in your household can still go to Costco and still <laughs> go to Save On and and, and so, and, and even come to church, God forbid. <laughs> Is that Roman? Spoke power into the spirit realm, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now we only need to wait. Of course, if you like to support the truth, then you know who to line with. And uh, you need to only wait for the manifestation. Yeah. That's true. Thank you. Thank you, Roman. Now, like I said, I can get carried away with all of that stuff. But, but I, Stefan's admonition to us was keep the main thing the main thing. And, and I think that that's very important in this time. We want to honor the authorities around us and do the things that they, they ask us to do uh, as long as it doesn't circumvent the, the will of the Lord. And so we, we will continue to do that. But we don't, if, if Trump is not elected, does that, does that mean that God's not in heaven and he's not powerful anymore? It doesn't mean anything like that. It means that God is up to something different. We may be disappointed. We may be overjoyed. I don't. I don't know which side of the fence you sit on. But, but, but the like the rhetoric gets me. It, last night, both the the vice president elect and the president elect said that. It's time to move away from this time of, of uh, uh, a division. Um, but, but the country has been divided for decades now. 
right down the middle. This is not, they're blaming Trump because 50% of the, the population doesn't agree with them. It had nothing to do with Trump. And, and did you notice that 17 million people that voted for Mr. Trump, this is 17, people that, 17 million people that were probably disappointed when the, 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 the declaration was made by the media that the other side had won, that they didn't burn any cities down. They didn't riot. <laughs> they didn't... And, and the other riots stopped when the Democrats were said to have won. And they're saying that the division is Trump's? Like, do they think that we left our brains at the door? It just doesn't make sense. Anyway, like I said, I can carry on with that. Let me get back to the Word of God. <laughs> hey? The main thing, what? Yeah, the men's meetings will be here because they are a, a religious meeting. They're here. And the ladies' meeting is a religious meeting. And, and uh, as I understand it, uh, Shelly uh, is still wanting to have people. So uh, you make up your own mind whether you want to do that or not. Okay? <laughs> I'm not giving Shelly's address out. <laughs> God is good. And he is the main thing. Um, I'm going to read from um, 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 14. 13. 13. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. But before I get there, just... What we've tried to do... Um, during this COVID time, during this last, well, since early summer, is, is not avoid the hard things. Not, not try and sugarcoat what's happening. Let, let's look at what's happening around us and, and how it relates in the Bible, um, starting with the foundations of the church and foundations of belief. And so we, we don't want to skip over things that are hard to preach about, right? We want to embrace those things and, and talk about those things. Lots of churches won't talk about hell anymore. We did. It's important to understand that there is an actual place and that your neighbors um, may well end up there if, if, if we don't have some influence in this season. And I believe God will be blowing upon it to do that. When... I find that when God is, when things are in season, when God is doing things, everything becomes easier toward what he's doing. And so if it's evangelism, you just find yourself evangelizing people and you don't even recognize it. You're just talking about God and your testimony and, and they, they're asking you, well, how do I do that? How do I become a Christian? And, oh, gosh, I guess I'm an evangelist right now. <laughs> That, it, just, it just happens when God is moving. And I think, 
I think he's going to be doing that in this coming season, just blowing upon evangelism and blowing upon um, people. He talks to everyone. You understand that? Because no one comes to him unless he draws them. And so if he didn't talk to sinners, none of us would be saved. <laughs> well, maybe my kids would because my wife would talk to them about <laughs> He's, he's doing something wonderful. And so as I was, I was with the Lord and talking to him, I, I, I was going over some of the words that we'd had, like I said, uh, for the year and, and how, how much is coming to pass that we thought would be coming to pass way, you know, six months ago or whatever it was. <sighs> and how much I hope the, the rest of the year doesn't bring. And then I thought, Lord, we've lost some people this year, some, some very dear people, some people that I wish we still had with us going through this season. Uh, Alain Lemoyne was, was a dear friend and a, a man of wisdom and, 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 and a real deep faith, and I wish he was here. But he's part of the great cloud of witnesses, as is... Uh, Ted Kroos, and, and many others that we've lost in this season. So I, so I started to think about, well, what's that look like, you know? What, what are we talking about? Because the rules have changed even for that. We used to um, be allowed, like Ted, you know, like <laughs> the day Ted had his day of his birth into heaven, there was a bunch of us there at his bedside singing happy birthday because it was his physical birthday as well. And, and, but now you can't do that. Now you cannot visit people in the hospital. You cannot be beside their bed. When I phoned um, Surrey Memorial, uh, they said, if I wanted to um, read someone's scripture and be available to them for their, their spiritual well-being, because I believe that that's important as, as you're preparing to die, they said, well, you can do that over the phone. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we'll have a Zoom meeting and read you your last rites. You know? That just doesn't work for me. <laughs> but yet, it's the season that we're in. And so... What is it that the Bible is talking about in some of those things? And so some of you are not preparing to die, and I bless you in that. <laughs> but I want to talk about some of these things because they're, they're kind of hard to, to, to talk about and, and uh, very easy to overlook. So let me go to 1 Thessalonians 13, or 4.13. Now, as we read this, the way most people have taken it is almost like Paul is giving us a, an order of service. This is what's going to happen. So if you see this happening, you'll know that this next thing is next and that kind of stuff. And, and we need to be careful about that. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him 
bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Does that sound like fun? (laughs) And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Dying can be very difficult anyway, right? But dying in this season is particularly difficult. I, I, I looked at... Um, what science thinks it's like to die, right? And, and they say it's a very lonely situation. That's, that's good, you know, I'll believe the science. <laughs> we all, in a way, are alone when we die. doesn't matter how many people are with you, but you're the only one that will make the transition from one place to another, Right? As you walk out of this door and you go through to the next place, you're alone. All of those people at your bedside don't go with you. You're alone in this time. And some people find that a very, um, maybe not frightening, frightening is the wrong word, but they're afraid of it because of the unknown aspect. So Paul, I think, is, is speaking to us here in his pastoral voice. He's wanting us to be at peace about what's happening. When, when Jesus ascended from um, the Mount of Olives, and as he, he left, the angels said he would return again the same way he's leaving. He'll come in the clouds. Now, Christine and I were up on, on the Mount of Olives there, and, and it's actually controlled by the, the Arabs. They don't believe that Jesus went from there, but they'll make money from it. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, and they've got this little boxed-off area, and a rock is in, inside this boxed-off area, and there's this little indentation in a rock. And they said, that's where Jesus' toes left the earth. <laughs> it didn't even look like that to me. I mean, but, and I'm a believer, you know. <laughs> it's just weird. But it cost us $10 each to look at it. <laughs> but Christine got to ride a camel at the same, at the same time so it was, it was a worth it for the day 
And we had the most glorious sunny day to look back at the city of Jerusalem. And ah, oh, it was delightful. But I, I got to tell you, I was disappointed. And I didn't see what size foot Jesus had or <laughs> any of those things. Looks like his toe was way bigger than mine, though. I got to tell you that. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I, it may be the place that he left from. I don't know. But I don't rest my faith in that. You know? It's just a, a bit of a sideshow to me. As Jesus left, the angel said he'd be back. So, the people that were there watching him go, they continued on in their life. And we know that, that lots of things happened. They, they had thousands of people come to Jesus and, and uh, the... the Christianity, the church, was growing exponentially at the time. And people were dying. Which they're prone to do anyway. <laughs> but some of the Christians who had come to Christ, come to know him after he died, their relatives are concerned that when Jesus comes back, he's just going to come back for the living ones, right? Right? And so what happens with the ones that are dead already? They didn't, they didn't have anything to go by, they thought. And so Paul is hearing this, and he's wanting us to, if we were alive then, to, to, to be at peace about it, because he's not going to forget anybody. He's not going to leave anybody behind. And so he's, Paul is saying, Jesus is concerned about the ones that have already died, and he's also concerned about you, and we're all going to be together. And I, I think that that's what that's talking about, more than you're going to see this happen, then this happen, then this happen, then this happen. It's, it's going to unfold in a beautiful way. So decades passed, and they're expecting Jesus to come back any minute now, all the time that they're there. So 20, 30, 40 years passed before, before Paul writes this. And so he writes to the Thessalonians that you don't need to be concerned. You're... He gives us this, this picture, and, and I don't think it's a blow-by-blow -blow description of what happens. But Paul here says that they shouldn't grieve as others who have no hope. Now, the church is hard sometimes on us. We, we have a, a, a dear friend who for years, a leader in the church, and, and some pastors that believe this, Christians should not grieve because of this scripture. Because we have hope, right? We should not grieve as those who have no hope, it says. And so we shouldn't grieve because we have this hope. I don't think that that's what this is saying. 
We, we have a hope that they're, they're going to be a part of this thing in the future with us. But he's not saying, I don't believe, to deny that you really miss that person. To deny that you've had this, this love relationship with somebody who is gone, no longer at your side. And you should be a, a strong soldier and focus on <laughs> the hope that you'll be back together in however many years. Deny the pain. I, I don't see that here. I think Paul in his pastoral anointing was saying, just, just don't be like the ones who think that death is the end. Those that have no hope, death is the end. So don't grieve like them and hire people that will mourn and wail and, and, and uh, you go on for years wearing black veils and whatever. He's saying, I think, go ahead and, and have the loss. Recognize the loss because you have significant loss if you have loved at all. If you've let somebody into your heart and they're taken away, it hurts. And I don't see the imperative of, of Paul to say, don't acknowledge those feelings. Because it could be misconstrued that you're, you're grieving as one who has no hope. You're just grieving. You're grieving as someone who has hope. But you're recognizing that love exists, is real, and that you have real loss in your life. It's okay to cry. It's okay to go through the various stages of grief. And we can, we can rally around each other in times like that and not deny that the person is gone. Won't grieve as others who do not have hope. Paul wants all who are followers of Jesus to know that God's provision for deceased believers in the future is an assurance of God's care for all believers in the present. You understand what I just said? <laughs> what Paul is saying there is. Those that have died already are still in God's plan. The same way as those of us who are here, who it says will be caught up together with him in the clouds, right? God is, is concerned about those that have gone and concerned about those who are still living. Now, 2,000 years later, he's still concerned with those that are still living. And he's taking good care of those that are past. He's amazing. <laughs> he didn't want anybody forgotten. Paul reminds his readers that Jesus died, but not only did he die, he rose again. And thus you can count on the fact that when Jesus returns... 
God will bring with him those who have died. Jesus was the first to be resurrected, not the last. In other words, as God has had done for Jesus, he will do for those who die in Christ. He wants us to remain confident that both us and our friends and loved ones who've gone before in Christ, that, that we will be together someday. Now, that, that's a, that's, this is a biblical admonition, a biblical promise. This isn't just, well, I hope that we'll be together one day. It's true. His word is true and right. And he, he speaks specifically to that when he's, when he's speaking to us. Hope talks about um, those that have no hope. Uh, hope is commonly used in, in everyday speech, uh, meaning a wish that's actually rooted in human desire. Biblical hope, by contrast, is rooted in God's love for us, which is quite different than in human desire. Biblical hope presents us with a view of life beyond the end of this life. While we uh, can't, see that, can't see that ourselves, we trust that God can, and thus we, uh, we base our hope on that eternal perspective, on God's eternal perspective. He's not done with the people that are, have died before us, and he's not done with us. We have a hope. That view enables us to count on the kingdom of God eventually coming in in all of its fullness and our having a place in it. Hope says to us, this is how you will understand it when this life is over and the new one has begun. This view is of supreme importance to the life of faith because without it, we have nothing to look forward to beyond whatever it is that we can do and make in this world. God's promise to us is that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And those that are in Christ will be united with him in that day. Whether you, whether you um, pass before he returns or later. My personal belief is that we're in end times. I, I think that the countdown has begun. I don't know how long it'll be, but I think that the, the days are numbered. Now, will it be in a year? No, I don't think it'll be in a year. I think we're gonna, we've got a few years yet, and, the, and there's biblical reasons for that, and we may get into that in future future times, but, but we need to, to hold on to the understanding that God has a place for us 
and that God has a good thing for us that know him, and that we can promise that to others as we, we tell them what they have to look forward to, what their hope is. Um, he talks about clouds, that Jesus went up in the cloud, and that comes from a solid biblical base. I'll go through this quickly, you know, just, just so you... Um, he didn't designate clouds as, as a rendezvous location simply because they're a phenomenon in the sky and that's where Jesus appeared to have gone. In Exodus, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear that when I speak with you, and so trust you ever after that. In Psalms, it says, Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. In Ezekiel, Then the glory of the Lord rose up, the house was filled with a cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the glory of the Lord. And in Nahum, it says, the Lord is slow to anger, but great in power, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. The book of Daniel also pictured the Messiah coming in a cloud. He says in Daniel 7:13, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus actually uh, quotes that verse twice in Matthew, Matthew 24, 30, and 26, 64. We see Jesus taken to the clouds. Now, the clouds, in, in our way of looking at things, sometimes would denote something negative, you know, like they need to have a silver lining to make them good, right? As if clouds are, you're, you're covered in darkness and and the clouds aren't a good thing. But, but the clouds are just a picture for God to use. You know? Like, um, it's just Jesus is, is, went up that way and he'll be coming back that way. It's not like there's anything magical in clouds. It's not like, like it's a flying carpet for Jesus or anything like that. It's, it's word pictures. I, I believe that Jesus, or God, his first language is universal language. Some people believe his language is Hebrew. That, that God speaks Hebrew and translates what he says to, to, for all of us. But I think he uses pictures. I think God's first language is pictures. He, he draws pictures for us. When he wants to talk to you and, and um, bypass your brain doesn't want you to think about it. He gives you dreams. And dreams are pictures. <laughs> he speaks to you directly through the pictures. And I think that's his primary way of speaking to his people, is by pictures. Now, he speaks to us in whatever language we speak as our first language, and he's, he's capable of all kinds of things, but he's just amazing in, in what he does. And so clouds are a picture of all that. They're they're not shorthand for trouble and worries. They are 
a picture of what God's going to use Jesus and the people meeting him in the air. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Um, let me do one more thing as, we, as we're getting ready to close here. I want to read from the message, 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, verse 13 onward. Because it, it clarifies it really beautifully, I think. And regarding the question, friends, that has come up about what happens to those who are already dead and buried... We don't want you to be in the dark any longer. First off, you must not carry on over them like people who have nothing to look forward to, as if the grave were the last word. Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back to life those who have died in Jesus. And then this, we can tell you with complete confidence, we have the master's word on it, that when the master comes again to get us, those of us who are still alive will not get a jump on the dead and leave them behind. In actual fact, they'll be ahead of us. The master himself will give the command Archangel thunders, God's trumpet blast. Then he'll come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise. They'll go first. Then the rest of us, who are still alive at the time, will be caught up with them into the sky to meet the master. Oh, we'll be walking on sunshine. And there will be... <laughs> One huge family reunion with the Master. So reassure one another with these words. Isn't that beautiful? When he comes back, we'll be walking on sunshine. That's his promise to us. In heaven, they don't need sun or moon because he is so bright. The brightness of his being will be our light. But there'll be a time when we can, <laughs> we'll be so happy to meet him in the air and see all of those that have gone before us, they'll be there waiting. I don't know whether it'll be just moments or, or what, what that looks like, but they'll be there with us. There is a hope and a promise that all of us can hold on to. All of us can look forward to. All of us can trust that we're moving into. Now you can take that to the bank. <laughs> it's true. It's yes and amen. And that's his promise for us. Hallelujah. So stand with me if you would. I'm going to pray. Now there are people that will pray with you if you have anything you want to prayer for, healing specifically, but anything you need. Um, um, oh, I, I want to ask you, um, maybe uh, update you. There is a church that is going to be using our building because they were caught in the latest edict, and last night they got advised that they couldn't meet in the 
common room of the townhouse complex that they were meeting in. Uh, and so, because it's a, a private space. But this is not a private space. This is a religious building, <laughs> because we're here. <laughs> Looks like a warehouse, but don't let that fool you. <laughs> So we're, we're, we're letting them uh, use it as long as they need to use uh, this. And so they're coming in here. They'll be here at 1.30. So if you could straighten out the chairs before you go, uh, that would be great. We'll be serving uh, them as they come in. Um, and that would be great. So if you have prayer, you can come forward. I want to pray for you right now and bless you in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus. We don't know what to make of these times we're in. The, the signs of the time are hard to discern. And we need you to, to show us the way. But what we know, Lord, is that your word grounds us. Your word gives us solid foundations on which we can build and go forward with. We trust your word. We've been speaking about foundation words, Lord, that, that give us a solid footing. We're not, we're not on sand and having it kind of drag us down. But we're on the rock of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that your promise is that there's a place for us. Your promise is that there's a place not just for us, but for all those who have gone before. And Lord, we can, we can miss them and we can cry about it and that's okay because we have hope that we will be reunited with them in the future. We know we will see them again. And so it's important for us to understand that even, even if death is a lonely place, we can only go through it ourselves. doesn't matter how many people are at our bedside. Going through that door is, is a lonely time. But you meet us on the other side. You have a place for us on the other side. And that loneliness is just there for an instant. You are so good to us and care so much for us. Lord, I bless Paul for his pastoral heart to make sure that everybody understood that this, these are the things that are going to happen and you are a part of it. We can have the assurance that we're a part of it. Would you allow that to sink into each of our hearts today, Lord? The ones here and the ones at home. And would you bring that assurance to bear fruit that we might want to share that with other people. That we might just easily let it run off our lips to tell people that I know where I'm going. Do you know where you're going? So easy, but so hard for others to look at. Lord, you're so good all the time. Lord, we, we've talked about it. We don't understand what's happening uh, uh, fully in, in our province, in our country, or in our, our, the, the continent we're on. But we pray that you would have your way in the election. We recognize that it's not done yet. And that you're up to something. 
We know you're good all the time. So do the things that you want to do there, Lord. And up here, Lord, um, we're not sure what it all means or looks like. We're not sure about the, 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 the new rules that are coming out. We want to honor the authorities because we choose to live a peaceful life here. But our choice is first for you and your word. You've told us to meet and we will meet. And we bless you that we can do that. You are so good all of the time, Lord. Bless each one that's here today. Because I know you want to do that anyway. You're so good all the time, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ah. Bless you. You can go in peace.